I want you to open your Bibles to the very last book of the Bible, the second to last chapter, the book of Revelation, chapter 21. We're going to use the first five verses as a jumping off point. I want to talk to you about life after Christmas. Isn't Christmas wonderful? I mean, for the most part, for most of us, Christmas is a, is a wonderful time. And uh, probably most all of us at some time or other, if we haven't said it, we've heard it said to us, don't you just wish Christmas could last forever? That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Note, please, with me, chapter 21, the first five verses. John writes this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy And they are true. Isn't that a beautiful passage? Now, I picked that passage because I thought it very apropos uh, to to speak to what Christmas points us to. Sometimes we lose sight of the fact of what Christmas is all about. Now, we say it's all about the baby Jesus. How many know he's not a baby anymore? Christmas is, a, is a, a marvelous, very marvelous, glorious, a very unique time. But we don't celebrate Christmas just for the sake of Christmas. It ought to point us to some greater reality. And hence, the life after Christmas. Now, I think it's a fair statement that most, most all of us love Christmas and all it represents. Is that a fair statement? How many would say, even maybe minimally, you love Christmas? Well, come on, hold your hands up high. If you, you love Christmas, you love what it represents, you love the season with all the hassles and the parking and the shopping and, you know, all that, you still love Christmas. See, I I believe that. I believe we all love Christmas. We love all that it represents. I certainly have since I was a little boy. Uh, My family was was very, very poor growing up, and we didn't have very much, and I didn't know it. But we just loved Christmas. And the week following Christmas... 
No doubt we all feel a bit let down. We may experience kind of a sad nostalgia for the passing of the season. Partly because I think a lot of us are hopeless sentimentals. And partly, frankly, we miss the anticipation. We miss the the joy. We miss the warmth. We miss the, the hope of the season. Christmas is just special. For one brief shining moment in the year, the world seems to change a little for the better, doesn't it? We all seem to change a little for the better at Christmas. Each year after Thanksgiving, our thoughts seem to go right to what? Christmas. My wife says, when do we get in the tree? (laughs) We get the decorations down out of the rafters in the garage. We've just had Thanksgiving. But our thoughts typically go right to Christmas, don't they? Doesn't help that all the retailers are prompting us either, does it? We put up the lights, we put up the tree. So one day, as in our house, we put on our Christmas CDs, albeit in our house, the Christmas CDs start in July. We open up the boxes of ornaments and decorations, and with each piece we unpack, we are reminded of Christmas's past. Most all of our families have little traditions. The kids help decorate the tree, and Dad puts the lights on, and, and of course there's the, the crowning ornament that goes on the top of the tree, right? Be it a star or an angel or, or some decoration. And again, every family has this tradition. Our tradition is that our precious son, who is a full-grown man now, still puts the angel on the top of the tree. And my beloved wife still takes the picture. <laughs> and, and, and so we all, we all have these accumulated memories, these accumulated traditions. Christmas. But when it's time to put everything away, back into the boxes, back into the bins, back in the rafters, back into the garage, we are not nearly so eager. In the beginning, oh, it's so much fun. But when it's over. You see, preparing for the season is exciting, isn't it? But parting from it is like saying goodbye to loved family members and friends when they leave after the holidays. We want to hold on to them. Oh, you don't have to go yet, do you? We've just had this wonderful experience and we don't want it to end. The days and weeks following Christmas, If we allow it, those days and weeks following Christmas can slowly steal the wonder of these special days, can't they? As we look around at a house that now looks strangely bare, 
we can't help thinking again, wouldn't it be great if Christmas could last forever? Our tree is down. The decorations are out. I hauled the tree out yesterday. Needles are all on the carpet. The living room looks bare again. looks so ho-hum. But you see, it's not just about the decorations. It's not just about the warm family gatherings. You see, at Christmas... And this is important. At Christmas, we get a taste of the eternal. We get a taste of the eternal. You see, Christmas whets our appetite for more. That's why we say, don't you wish it could last longer? It whets our appetite for more. At Christmas, note this. Strained relationships often seem better as we are more willing to put aside our differences. Isn't that true? Giving takes precedence over getting. Our homes experience a a peace and a joy, a generosity, a love. Dare I say, a holiness that we don't Experience at other times. And down deep inside, our souls long for more. Is that not true? Can you, are, you, are you relating at all to anything I'm saying here? Some of you are? Good, thank you. I'll preach to you. <laughs> and then the season ends. The season ends and the grudge we overlooked during Christmas flares up again after the new year, doesn't it? The weaknesses in others that we were more willing to overlook during the holiday season become unacceptable again. Our patience, strengthened and encouraged by Christmas, grows short again. Peace with God is a reality. It's a reality to those who have placed their faith in Him. But perfect peace with each other is still unattainable. Though many promises of the Bible have been clearly fulfilled. The Messiah has come. Our salvation has been secured. Though those things are true and many more. The needles of the tree of life still fall from the branches, don't they? Just like the dead needles fall from our lifeless Christmas trees at the very touch. Pain, disappointment, sorrow, and trials, which can be anesthetized by the Christmas season. These things soon reappear. Life on planet Earth is still the same. When I think about my own post-Christmas letdown, I can't help but wonder what life was like for Mary and Joseph and the other characters in the Christmas story three months later, six months later, a year later. The shepherds. The shepherds were back in the fields with the sheep. 
Had they been changed? Oh, clearly they had been. Clearly. But had life itself changed that much for them? Probably not. Did they ever wish they could recapture the surprise and the joy and the wonder and the holiness of that angelic visitation and that incredible moment at the manger? Did they wish that those blessed moments could have lasted longer? I wonder if those shepherds watched the sky expectantly for the rest of their lives. Would the angels reappear? Would they bring another glorious message? Were the shepherds' dreams filled with memories of that wonderful angelic visitation? The wise men. The wise men returned to their own homeland and to their lives. After all, life must go on even after you've witnessed a miracle, huh? The star that had guided them had disappeared from the sky. Their lives had been forever changed, but life on earth had not. Would they, like the shepherds, be looking for a repeat of the miracle? Would there be another celestial sign? Did they spend the rest of their lives trying to fully understand the miracle they had witnessed? Or or did the daily grind of life slowly shift their focus away from that miraculous time? Herod. Herod, the ruthless genocidal monarch, History tells us that he continued to abuse his power to secure his kingdom against all challenges. He had his whole family murdered. But did he ever find peace of mind regarding the child-born king of the Jews, or did he remain troubled? Did he worry that somehow this renegade child king had escaped his deadly purge and might return one day and threaten his rule? Did the scriptures that the chief priests and the teachers of the law had shared with him haunt his dreams? For a time, Mary and Joseph had to live in Egypt as refugees, didn't they? hiding their son, the baby Jesus, from the murderous plot of Herod. Eventually, though, they returned to their home in Nazareth. Joseph to his carpentry business. Mary to mothering and homemaking. They would never be the same. They would never be the same as the result of their experiences, but life with its hardship, with its pain, its daily routine, and yes, its joy and successes. Life would go on, wouldn't it? 
Yet despite this return to the ordinary sameness of life, in reality, nothing would ever be the same again. Everything changed when Jesus entered our world. Everything changed. The power of sin would soon be broken. And Satan's plans would one day finally be crushed. God's grace had been born into our world. A power so great, nothing could prevail against it. Nothing. The spiritual axis of the world had shifted violently. And the effect could not have been more profound if the earth's physical axis had shifted. Today, the sinful momentum of our world continues, making everything seem as it was before Jesus came. Accent on the word seem. But now a new kingdom has been established. And by faith, how? By faith. By faith, we live in the long shadow of the promise of that kingdom. And at Christmas, the shadow seems to lift for a moment. And we seem so much closer to that day. With its celebrations, with its joy, with its excitement, with the the warmth And again, the holiness of the Christmas season. Christmas reminds us. It reminds us that although many wonderful promises have been fulfilled in our midst, we are still waiting. We're waiting for the the last eternal Christmas morning. The one that will last forever. If you were here Christmas Eve, you recall the story I read to you. An old author, J.B. Phillips, wrote it. And I want to quote from him again. He, He wrote this. He says, Nothing can alter the fact that we live on a visited planet. And he urges us as we daily walk, as we daily tread on the surface of this planet, to reflect with confidence that our God has been here. That our God was here on this planet. This is the visited planet. Have you ever taken that into account during your celebration of Christmas? Your God walked this earth. Your God touched the leaves on trees, just like we do. Your God quenched his thirst with a sip of cool water, just like you and I. Your God watched the sun rise and the sun set. Can you imagine being with Jesus watching a sunset? And hearing him marvel at the wonder of that. 
your God. Also, follow the moon across the night sky. Again, how many of us have gazed up at the moon and just in awe? I can't help but thinking Jesus would look up at the moon and say, made that. (laughs) Cool. Phillips goes on to write, he says, when God decides that the human experiment has gone on long enough, Yes, even in the midst of what appears to be confusion and incompleteness, Christ will come again. This is clearly what the New Testament teaches. You see, it is for us, Jesus says it's for us to be alert. He says, you don't know the day or the hour, no man does. He could come at any moment. And and we say, well, we probably have lots of time. We don't know that. It's for us to be alert. It's for us to be awake. It's for us to be faithful. It's for us to occupy. So that his coming will not be a terror, but rather an overwhelming experience of joy. Perhaps that is one of the elements that makes our celebrations bittersweet, if I can use that word. A part of us wants to hold on to the hope of a better world and a world where Christ will come to stay, where sin will be banished from our hearts as well as from our world. We desperately want to Embrace all that Christmas promises, especially Emmanuel, God with us. He came to live with us, and now he lives within us. But his inner presence only makes us desire more. That's how you know you're a Christian. You just want more of him. The Savior has come and he has opened our eyes to perfect eternity. And we can't help experiencing a sort of heavenly homesickness. We who wait for the promise must wait a bit longer, mustn't we? And waiting is an easy thing, isn't it? No, waiting is difficult. Waiting for most of us. It's like an awful desert. It's like an awful desert where we, where we find ourselves in between where we are and where we want to be. And we typically don't like waiting. We don't like that place. We want to get out of it, and always by doing something. It impresses me that all of those who appear in Luke's gospel are waiting. Zechariah and Elizabeth were waiting. 
Mary was waiting. Simeon and Anna in the temple, waiting. The whole opening scene of the good news is filled with waiting people. And people who wait have received a promise that allows them to wait. How can I wait? Because I have a promise. I'm waiting on. You see, you and I have received something that is at work in us. We've received a promise. A promise of hope. And that's like a seed that has been sown in our hearts. And it started to grow. This is very important. We can only really wait if what we are waiting for has already begun in us. So waiting is never a movement from nothing to something. It is always a movement from something to something more or something better. Christmas provides if you will, a looking glass for all believers. God came to live among us, and now we wait for the day when we will live with him forever. Life as we know it is not life as it will always be. As surely as God has kept his promise to enter our world and bring us back to him so he will take us to be with him one day. That's why we say, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Amen? We long to live in his perfect presence as naturally as we live in this fallen, sad, dying world today. The blessed hope and the painful reality are rarely in greater contrast than at Christmas. How I long to be there and long to be with him fully, and yet I must stay here. Our greatest dreams and our deepest despair often intersect at Christmas in this holy season. Oh, how strange. But to see both are real, hence our conflict. The celebration of Christmas. Think about this. The celebration of Christmas is a delicious spiritual hors d'oeuvre to eternity. Tantalizing us with reminders of the banquet that is yet to come. And it will be eternally satisfying. Part of the real Christmas spirit is the hope it inspires in us. Inspires in us of the day when Jesus will come again, no longer the baby in a manger, but the Lord of all creation. You see, that's the ultimate fulfillment of all that Christmas promises. Christmas holds a great promise, and that is the ultimate fulfillment of it. When he comes, 
the babe from Bethlehem, will visit the planet he once called home. But this time, he will come not in humility. He will come in great power. Death will be overcome forever. It will be replaced by eternal life. Old things will pass away. Behold, new things will come. Lies will be replaced with truth. Injustice will be no more. Sadness, pain, regret, loss, failure, and tears. These will all pass away like the ice age, never to return. And those of us who spent so many years celebrating Christmas in the firm belief that one day faith would become sight, will wait and we will awake to that eternal Christmas morning. Until then, in each celebration of Christmas, we are, in effect, turning the lights on in anticipation of that final morning. That's what we do when we celebrate Christmas. We turn the lights on as a sign that we're anticipating that final morning. Uh, I heard a story about a family who kept their Christmas lights on long after the holiday season was passed. In fact, the lights were, they weren't just still on the house. They were on, lit, 24-7, on into January, February, and into March. And if you were to see that, you, if you were a neighbor or someone drive by, you, you might be tempted to be a tad bit critical. You might be tempted to think something like this. If I were too lazy to take my Christmas lights down, I think at least I'd turn them off at night. Picture that, a house, the only house in the whole block, the whole neighborhood, the whole city still with their Christmas lights on into March. But about the middle of March, a sign appeared outside that house, a sign that explained why they left the lights on. The sign said simply, Welcome home, Jimmy. You see, that family had a son who was a soldier in Iraq who'd been away. And they had unashamedly left their Christmas lights on in anticipation of his return. Lights, beloved, are a symbol of hope. They're a symbol of hope. And Christmas... Christmas is how we keep the lights on, anticipating his return. All the joys of all of our Christmas experiences, all the joys combined of all of us for all the years that we've known and experienced Christmas, all those joys will pale before the coming of the last eternal Christmas morning. The divine Christmas light 
will never be extinguished. The joy will never fade. The hope will finally be fulfilled. The king, our king, will have come at last. And the long-promised kingdom of God will be ushered in. And our fervent dreams will be reality. Peace on earth and goodwill to men will no longer be a hope nor a slogan on a Christmas card. It will be the actual inheritance of all who have longed for his appearing. Beloved, each Christmas, as we celebrate Christmas, we keep the lights on. We keep the lights on knowing that promise is a little closer. When we speak of the hope of Christmas, we are imagining something other than what we are actually experiencing. Something better. Something eternal. Imagine that last Christmas morning. Imagine what life will be like when our world is ruled by our Lord who loved us so much that he died for us. What will life be like when the only emotions that fill our hearts are joy and love and peace? What will it be like to have no fear No anxiety, no anger, no envy, no jealousy, no tears, no sadness. Because, because the world in which we live is so perfect that no such emotions can be produced. What will it be like to be so changed that we actually fit in a perfect world? So changed that we have become something fundamentally different than we can ever hope to attain here on this earth. What will it be like to live a perfect life forever? What eternal wonders await those who will walk and live forever with our God in his perfect world. The Apostle Paul says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived of the things that God has prepared for those who love him. He is totally prepared to blow our minds with eternity. What wonders await us? Through his first coming, what you and I call Christmas, God revealed to us how much we have to look forward to in his second coming. And with every Christmas morning, every Christmas morning we experience we know that we are that much closer to the last Christmas morning. So at Christmas, at Christmas, 
and for all the days that follow. Let it be our goal to keep the lights on in our hearts in anticipation of his return. When he does, beloved, the last Christian and Christmas morning will dawn and never end. Let's keep the lights on, shall we? Once again, John says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. Amen. Christmas points us to his coming. The joy that you experience, the excitement, the anticipation that you experience with your Christmas will be magnified so gloriously on that last Christmas morning. And beloved, Christmas will last forever. Exciting. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love, for your creation. Lord, we look forward to that day. Your word tells us that we should keep our minds and our hearts focused on things above, not on things below. Your word says that we should seek you first in your kingdom and your righteousness and all the things that we worry about, you'll take care of them. Your word says be anxious for nothing, but trust in you with all of our heart. God, thank you. Thank you for this wonderful season that whets our appetite. Thank you for Christmas that whets our appetite for eternity and for knowing you more. Father, we love you this morning. Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you that you're faithful. You are coming again. Holy Spirit, cause these things to be permanently emblazoned in our minds and hearts. We pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. If it's appropriate, turn to your neighbor and give your neighbor a holy hug and very possibly even a holy kiss. Pronounce a blessing on your neighbor.
Pronounce a blessing on your neighbor. And encourage them to keep the lights on. Keep the lights on. Let's stand together. Hector has, Hector has written a special song for us. I hope you appreciate it. No longer to strive 